What's going on, everybody? It's that time again, the All Sooners podcast. Josh Callaway in Oklahoma City, Ryan Chapman and more John Hoover in Tulsa on this Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, first show of May. How are you gentlemen doing? Ready for spring, aren't you? Not spring football. I didn't say spring football. I said spring. Ready Real spring, spring, where we enjoy our lives. Yes. Well, <laughs> softball postseason's coming up, so you guys enjoy your lives. I'll be either at Marina Hines, Hall of Fame Stadium, one of the two. You can find me there. Would you say last week the Sooners, like, last 21 games or something have the chance to be in a, the state of Oklahoma? It's a crazy number. Yeah, well, when you thought about it, we can dive into it later, but Kansas series was the last. It was senior weekend, but then Tulsa, that's in Oklahoma. Bedlam this weekend, Oklahoma next week in Big 12. That's an OKC regional supers. Guess who hosts and guess where the one's college world series is. So nice little on ramp here for the Sooners. Yeah. It really is kind of just nuts and uh, it's convenient for you RC, but it uh, definitely adds a, a lot of work. Uh, that's for sure. I thought um, as of like three weeks ago, I thought, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of baseball postseason to worry about uh, this year. Last year, obviously it went all the way into late June. But the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden, hello, how are you doing? Maybe I will after all. Uh, we'll uh, talk about that a little more a bit later as that team has turned a massive corner all of a sudden um, as well. So a lot of going on. We have guys hitting the portal all over the place. Uh, the recruiting trail is hot. The NFL draft was last week. So we have a packed show uh, here this afternoon um, as we venture into May. We'll acknowledge um, if you haven't seen the news, this will be my final show uh, with the All Sooners podcast. We'll talk about that a little more later, but want to acknowledge it up front. Uh, this will be my final show, but we're set up here. Got lots of great stuff to talk about. Go out on a high note here and uh, finish strong for me personally here on the uh, All Sooners podcast. So looking forward to uh, getting through this one here. All right. We'll dive in. Transfer portal first. There's a lot of places we could start. We'll start with transfer portal. Three guys have hit the portal since the last show. Two in the secondary, Jamarian Burt and DeMond Harmon. And then one on the offensive line, Cullen Montgomery. Now, these guys are kind of all different, obviously, despite the I mean, position differences, age differences, lots of uh, kind of alternate angles here to uh, approach this. But what stands out to you guys about these three guys leaving? Any big, great loss here? Any surprise uh, of this group here? Uh, reaction to these three guys hopping in the portal this week? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start. It's pretty easy. Uh, the big surprise is, is Damon Harmon, if there is such a thing anymore with the transfer portal. Um, Damon played two years at OU. He got his uh, he got some in some real good action last year. He was one of Oklahoma's better safeties. He was one of their front-line rotation guys. Uh, and I think he made a couple of starts. I didn't look it up, but I think he made a couple of starts down the stretch. This was after... He almost broke his neck. This was after he knocked himself out with the mm. uh, the thing at TCU where he caught a knee. I think it was at Kendra Miller. Uh, caught a thigh kind of in the face mask as he was falling down. Scary, scary. I hate the idea of covering those things. I remember Manny Johnson got hit. I think it was against Colorado. Knocked him out, and everybody was scared. He was okay. Came back and played. This was more of a, a neck kind of a stinger the way it – and it just was uh, terrified me. That is not the kind of story you want to cover as a writer, and it's certainly not something you want to see as a football fan. Uh, but he came back, and I asked Brandon Hall about him, and he said he's doing great, explosive in spring practice, he looked good, felt good, everything was going good, and then jumps in the transfer portal. And that's the age of football that we live in. If you're not 
the definite starting safety. Uh, if you've been passed on the depth chart by somebody younger than you, say a Peyton Bowen or somebody like that, mm. the transfer portal's always open. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it, that, when you pair it with the Montgomery and Burt, like those guys just didn't get on the field. Burt was a late ad right in the 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 late period for Brent Venables and that staff as they were trying to just hold on for dear life for the 2022 class. Um, and so for him not to roll out there and get on the field, that makes sense there. Colt Montgomery just never really factored into any like too deep action or anything like that along the offensive lines. So that makes sense. But yeah, Harmon not only was he able to come back, but remember, John, after that TCU game, that's when all the coverage busts happened and the rotation for corners and safeties really got tight. We didn't see really a ton of Justin Harrington. To, uh, can I Walker kind of flowed to the background? Those were guys that were getting snaps early. Harmon came back, was healthy, and then, like you said, was not just healthy, but playing. Like, as soon as he was cleared, he was back in that rotation. So, uh, really interesting there. We'd heard a ton about not just the fact that Oklahoma had seven signees uh, in the secondary, plus bringing in Reggie Pearson, but that Brent Venables, Jay Valai, Brandon Hall, all those guys raved all spring long about that secondary. So, I think that's evidence that maybe got. We already saw Jaden Davis got jumped on a depth chart. Maybe that means Demon Harmon got jumped on a depth chart. So now the the question will be this fall: talent upgrade. Now it's just a matter of you're you're breaking a lot of new starters that are first time in the Venables defense. Are there going to be coverage busts because everything was vanilla in the spring game and most of those touchdowns from the Dylan Gabriel crew were coverage busts. Yeah, it's funny, you know, a lot of people did the, you know, who is this thing with Jamarian Burt, and the, the reason you don't know who it is, because he literally committed on signing day, if you guys remember, he was a really late ad, and then he played one year at OU, and he never saw the field, so yeah, obviously, OU fans are not going to really know who that guy is at all, um, but, you know, big takeaway for me, obviously, you lose Jaden Davis, who we talked about before, earlier in the spring, and then these two guys, Burt and Demon Harmon, and you still kind of feel okay about the depth. It, it really just goes to show what Jay Valai and Brandon Hall have done uh, with those positions in the secondary in a short time. Because, I mean, if this was a year, maybe just one year ago, but especially two years ago, if they lost three guys in the secondary, you know, after the spring, we would probably be sitting here like, yikes, this is not not good. But they, you kind of feel okay about it still, even losing these guys. But I agree, Harmon's the surprising one because it felt like he had a really good spring and you know, was going to be in the mix. He had some nice moments in the spring game, had that one really big hit. I can't remember who it was on, maybe Tommy Walker, can't remember. Um, but, yeah, he he moves on. We'll see where he winds up, uh, where these guys land. But, you know, interesting. Uh, a couple of late uh, losses here in the transfer cycle for Oklahoma. Now, we'll update I you on some other guys who announced their team here in a little bit. Sorry, I think that's seven total for from last fall, including fall and spring. Hmm. Seven total defensive backs. Which think about yeah. that where this program was a year ago, where this program was two years ago. How in the hell are you going to sustain losing seven defensive backs? Well, they did it because they're they feel like they've upgraded at all those positions, and those guys weren't going to play. So, well, the good news is the secondary has been garbage for like five or six years. So <laughs> at least you're uh, betting on young talent as opposed to uh, the same stuff you'd seen out of that group for the last couple of years. Did you guys think uh, Jordan Mukes was going to be a player, though? Did you think that when he came out of Choctaw, he was going to be that guy that signs, lands, plays a lot, and actually becomes a star? Physically, he was incredible. 
Yeah, I would, did. I mean, Alex Grinch loved him. Loved yeah. Him. And that was one of those things, too, that you thought, okay, you, you had saw Pat Fields and Delarian Turner yell. That's what you get when you just get steady. They've been there forever. It's a simple defense. Now, instead of being like 5'11 and slightly undersized coming down to hit, you're upgrading to Muke, stuff like that. And then, yeah, it just never panned out. And I wonder if he was one of those guys that, you know, Alex Grinch kept talking about in practice when you have those mental mistakes in practice. What, what do you think is going to happen on Saturdays? Yeah, and that's why we kept seeing those two safeties you mentioned, Pat Fields and Delaire Turner yell, five foot ten, five foot nine, some of them sometimes, right? Having to play for two years in a row every snap on defense. Because they, they got it. They figured it out. That's why they're, you know, one's got an NFL career going right now and the other one's trying. Um and guys like Mukes and, and others that they brought in apparently just didn't get it. So that's that's the surprising part of this uh, whole equation. Yeah, and even with all those guys, it's still crowded back there, and I'm ex- interested to see how that ends up actually shaking out. I mean, just safeties alone still, Billy Bowman, Peyton Bowen, Reggie Pearson, Key Lawrence. I mean, the it's kind of a laundry list, and they look at the cornerback room, not quite as deep, but still. Woody Washington obviously is back there. Kendall Dolby, Gentry Williams, Jaden Rowe could get in that mix. There's a lot of guys over there still. They really – done a fantastic job at, at adding a lot of talent to that room. And I think that's why some of these guys hopped out. They just didn't see a role for themselves. So we'll see where they wind up. Uh, that's always the interesting part of this for me is where do they wind up? And there's one kind of surprise for Oklahoma, at least a little bit in the portal. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, flipping over to the recruiting trail. Big week uh, for Emmett Jones. Guys on a heater. Uh, two receiver commits. Since the last show, one for 24, one for 25. We'll talk about 2024 first. Zion Kearney from Missouri City, Texas. 2024 guy, like I said, he is a four-star product. Number 12 receiver in the class in 247 Sports Composite uh, right now. Guy's a stud. Uh, he has a lot of really exciting and tangible six foot two. He's got some height on him. And if you watch his tape, he's just kind of one of those playmaker type guys. It's not just... Some of these guys, and not to take away from it, they're just kind of running away from people and they're just betting everyone. He can go up over you, contested catches, tough, lot to like with this kid. Uh, what do you guys think about Mr. Kearney, what he could be down the road here for Oklahoma? Yeah, we, we've got his highlights on our website at All Sooners. Um, really illustrates uh, what he's capable of. Uh, I've, Josh, I've seen 6'3", 200 on him and still runs a 10, 900 meters, so. Uh, a guy that has exceptional athletic ability and physical gifts. Uh, you know, he's going to need time to transition, obviously, 2024. But uh, he's got a big senior year coming up is what he's hoping for. Yeah, and that's kind of what I look for. Josh, you mentioned being able to make those contested catches and having strong hands. But also, can you catch the ball underneath and actually make stuff happen in the open field as opposed to simply lining up and off the line of scrimmage, blowing by people, and then it's just to catch the deep ball, adjust, run away from everybody. And Kearney has that, where, where he can uh, make guys miss and, and, and all that stuff. And I know that when Oklahoma fans think of that, they immediately think to probably CD Lamb, Texas, screenshots of 15 defenders around him, and he winds up in the end zone. Mm. Like That's what real, true game breakers look like. And so... That's always something I look for in these guys, and Kearney has a ton of those highlights as well as that. Not 
not saying he's CeeDee Lamb, just saying like that, that that's kind of in the open field what I like to see when you see that stuff. And he's one of those guys that's had that because a lot of the smaller wide receiver commits Oklahoma's had the, the last little bit have just been a lot of the take a, a shallow slant and, and you just beat everyone to the pylon because no one can get an angle on you or, or you're running behind people. So I like having that mix added to that room with Kearney. If you're going by that 24-7 sports like composite metric number, Kearney's the highest rated guy they've had it in the class so far. It's only their sixth, so they're still kind of in the early going here. But his number is the highest. And, of course, he joins Jaden Hardy, Jeremiah Newcomb, Michael Hawkins, Isaiah Autry, and KJ Daniels, another receiver who uh, you know they added a couple of weeks ago. Class is kind of coming together. Still early, only six commits. I think they're ranked like yeah 25th right now in the class rankings. Still a lot of meat on the bone. They're going to add a lot more guys, obviously. but. You know, kind of just you're starting to see that momentum pick up a little bit for Oklahoma. It seems like they've kind of been, you know, adding a guy every few days right now, whereas for a while it was like, okay, they still have anybody in this 24 class. It felt that way not that long ago. So it's coming along a little bit. Yeah, I remember they had a 2025 before they had any 2024s. So, uh, no, I think Ryan illustrated in the story that he wrote that uh, they're they're way with their sixth commitment now coming out of spring game. They're way ahead of where they were just last year. So that's got to be a good thing, right? You're going into uh, the summer, into the camp season and that kind of thing, into the barbecue season, shall we say, uh, with uh, with a lot of momentum. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned that 2025 commit. That was, of course, Kevin Sperry, the quarterback, and he's now got a receiver uh, to look forward to as they added a 2025 kid this week as well on Monday, Grayson Harris. From Ennis, Texas, he is a four-star as well, um, and he's just a 2025 kid. So he's got a lot of runway to try and get that, to try and get that fifth star. He's a two-sport athlete, plays baseball as well. It was really important to him to get the opportunity to play both, and that is going to be there for Oklahoma if he wants it. He's been offered uh, by Skip Johnson the baseball program as well, so he's got a chance to be a two-sport guy uh, for Oklahoma down the road. And now you have a little bit of. Uh, I don't know, a little more meat, I guess, that 25 class. Because you're excited about it with Kevin Sperry there, obviously. We talked about that before, what that could do, having him locked in so early. And you get another dynamic player locked in alongside him. Seems like, you know, and I'm far from a recruiting expert, but it feels like they're really ahead of schedule with this 25 class. What do you guys think about Harris and and that point, that 25 is is shaping up nicely here? Still super early, but it's looking, looking solid early to get guys like this locked in so early. Yeah, a ton of momentum, uh, a ton of positive forward momentum for this recruiting class already. Um, it's not unprecedented, but I think it's pretty rare to have start already building a class two years down the road. Uh, you see it, you see it fairly frequently, but at Oklahoma, you see you've seen coaches historically going all the way back to Bob Stoops exercise a lot of patience with those those freshmen and those sophomores, right? Uh, this, this, these guys, they found two guys that they want and a quarterback, obviously in Sperry. And then, uh, Harris is just, uh, you, you said he's a two sports star, Josh. It's actually a three sports star. He runs, uh, yeah, runs yeah. track. He's very fast, uh, long jumper. So someone who's got that, uh, athletic ability, that explosion, but yeah, it was important to him. I think OU was the only school that offered him for both baseball and football. So Skip Johnson getting on board, you know, taking one for the cause there. Not that he can't play baseball, but when he gets to Oklahoma, he's going to find that it's a, it's really, really tough uh, to do both at that level. Just ask Kyler Murray, right? Yeah, and I, 
he's just a guy that's got the twitch and he also has the production too already. He already has 2000 yard seasons, which I think kind of speaks to um, his ability to come in and handle a lot thrown at him fast. He actually had more catches his freshman year than he did last year, more catches, more touchdowns, but two really productive seasons over 60 balls, both years, Mm -hmm. I think eight touchdowns last year and 11 the year before, if I remember correctly. So like he's a guy that's already tearing it up, and you mentioned it. Who the the explosion and the twitch to have just the long jumping, the speed, his ability to catch the ball. One of those guys, and it, I, I would just, if you're an Oklahoma fan, hope that as a guy that's a uh, 2025 kid, maybe he can get closer to six foot. Maybe he's not done growing there a little bit because uh, not a lot of height outside of Kearney that has been brought in recently with, with the wide receivers happening. They don't need to all be 6'5", but uh, if yeah. I were building a wide receiver, I would not like 7'5'9 guys. Emmett Jones building a 4x100 uh, a team. <laughs> he <building>. is indeed. <laughs> yeah, and you know it feels like this is uh, kind of, you know, we, we were robbed of, uh, of Mario Williams doing this. If you guys remember, obviously he was a, a baseball player was going to be on the baseball team, um, but he didn't get the chance to, cause he transferred out in his first year before baseball season ever rolled around. So Grayson Harris he can write that baseball at USC. He does not. I don't believe so. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I thought the same whenever he transferred, I was wondering if he's going to play baseball there. But obviously the season is coming on, and I assume I would have known that already if he had been for the last yeah. two and a half months. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I saw him in spring football. I didn't see him in baseball. I heard the baseball, the Trojans have a little bit of a baseball history. I heard they're pretty good at it. Well, Lincoln Riley, I still follow Lincoln Riley on Twitter, and he retweets USC baseball like every day. Yeah. So I don't remember doing that before. But <laughs> – but yeah, so you have a couple guys here locked in for twenty five, and uh, I mean it goes to show you what they're how what they're thought of this early. I mean OU right now, and it's it's silly to do rankings for twenty five. It's so early, but just to, to make a point, number five class right now, with just those two guys, that's where they're ranked. This goes to show you how early this is to have these two guys locked in, and then how uh, what their rating is like. That you know, two guys get you a top five right now. That's how early it is in yeah. that process. So good start. I wonder. If uh, I wonder if anybody else has three committed, twenty five. I don't know. There probably there's of course there is somewhere there is somebody's got some. Would you believe that Georgia Georgia has four five stars already? (laughs) Georgia, (laughs) that's what uh, this says. Four five stars, four star. Jeez, poor Nick Saban. (laughs) Poor Nick Saban. He's like these guys won't quit. They won't quit, and they won't stop spending money. Uh, I just think it's really interesting though that. OU's way ahead in the 2024 class of where they were this time last year. The 2025 class obviously is early getting guys. And I actually thought that the recruiting process for Oklahoma would slow down with the added, like you can now take as many visits as you want. I thought that that would slow things down a bit because before it was like, okay, you have five visits. So if someone uses one of them on a spring game and then you're coming in and, and there's two or three weekends in June, then like one reason why July was so big for Oklahoma is because most of those guys, if they were serious about just three schools, they could have visited all three of them officially by the spring and June. And so not having to, the ability to visit wasn't as big a deal for those guys. So I just think it speaks to the relationship those that the staff has that, where things could have gotten 
into a situation where you had to be even more patient because guys could take more visits. Instead, they are collecting recruits at a faster rate. I think it's hilarious that anybody, much less Georgia, has four, five stars who just finished their sophomore year of high school. I yeah, mean, they're probably I, really good players. Don't get me wrong. But to to label them after one year of varsity football for most of them probably and say they're five stars. This young man, I do want to point out, uh, Elise, Elise Williams, he's their highest rated guy. He's a five-star tight end. Uh, he's 6'7", 235. Yeah, I've seen him. <laughs> and uh, his his uh, number is 9908, which is outrageously high for how young he is. Yeah, and they also have a five-star linebacker, five-star offensive tackle, and a five-star defensive lineman. And a four-star running back just to toss in there as well. So Kirby Smart. It's hilarious. It's unfair. Just unfair. Literally unfair. They're they're the highest rated class right now, above Alabama's number two by sixty points. This is a <laughs> ginormous gap. Ginormous Welcome to the gap. show, Oklahoma. Welcome to the show. You wanted yeah, it. Yeah. You wanted it. You wanted the smoke. The SEC is smoking right now. Smoking. All right. But yeah, two guys committed there. Emmett Jones. Approval rate got to be pretty high, right? I mean, good start here to getting two commits uh, here in the last week or so. He's done some nice things. Of course, you have Brennan Thompson at the portal working on another receiver in the portal potentially. We'll talk about that a little bit here in just a second. But, yeah, big-time stuff right now. Emma Jones off to a nice start uh, to his Oklahoma tenure, bringing some guys in here. All right, we'll go ahead and take a time out. We'll come back. We'll dive into some other stuff. NFL draft, transfer portal, uh, fellow news as well there as – um, some former you guys announced their new team. I just teased a little bit there. A, another guy that OU is targeting just visited in the transfer portal. What would that mean if they could add him? We'll talk about that a little bit next as well right here on the All Sooners podcast. Hey, it's John Hoover from my friends at Trade Pros. Spring's right around the corner, and you're going to need to make sure your air conditioning system is running right. So right now, through the end of March, Trade Pros is offering a $25 spring tune-up. Now, that's a $100 value, but this month only, 25 bucks. The Spring Tune-Up is a comprehensive preventive maintenance check. They're going to do a full system diagnostic. They're going to check your Freon levels. They're going to make sure that your amperage on your system is where it's supposed to be. Heating and air systems can be complicated, and you want to know that your electronics are running at peak efficiency as the weather gets warmer. So just call Michael at TradePros, 405-593-1585, or go to TradeProsOKC.com. I think it's time to call TradePros today. I think it's time to On Twitter, you can follow all Sooners at all underscore Sooners. Ryan's underscore Ryan Chapman. Who's at John E. Hoover. I'm at Josh M. Calloway. Our website is allsooners.com. We are a fan nation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. All right, segment two. Got some other things to hit here. Some portal news and some NFL draft recap. We'll start with, I think, the big news for Oklahoma fans. A visitor over the weekend, or uh, over the week, I guess I should say. He was in town yesterday. Colorado receiver Jordan Tyson posted on Instagram that he was home and on Twitter they posted he was in Norman, was a true freshman last year with the Buffs, and did some nice things. 22 catches for 470 yards and four touchdowns. Actually led Colorado in receiving yards uh, there with 470. Remember, Colorado was very bad, uh, 1-11 last year, but he led the team as a true freshman in receiving yards, and he hit the portal, and he is in Norman on a visit. 
So what do we make of this? Uh, even more than just the, what the ad would mean, but that Emmett Jones and Oklahoma are actively pursuing another guy and another guy who is on the younger end, like Brennan Thompson, just one year mm-hmm. of college football under his belt. How does this news hit you? Uh, what does it mean that Oklahoma is still chasing more receivers? Yeah, I, I make of it that they were they come out of spring practice and the spring game mostly unimpressed with replacing that Marvin Mims role with what they have moving forward. You know, not a knock on anybody, but they're looking for that one guy. They're looking for that. Jeff Levy said it. I asked him the question, 15 of or 15,000 yard receivers in a uh, 13 year period or something like that since he's been head or since he's been a coach, division one coach. He likes that Marvin Mims role. You knew that when he had, when, when he inherited Marvin, that Marvin was going to have a real shot to catch a lot of passes, which he didn't do under Lincoln Riley. Uh, to catch a lot of passes and get a lot of yards. So that's that's somebody that they're looking for in that role. Um, got Andrell Anthony out of the portal. Got Brendan Thompson after spring out of the portal. Uh, bring back Jalil Farouk from last year, you know, and you come out of spring and you're like, Coach, I think we need one more guy. I think we need one more guy. And, you know, in Tyson, we're talking about a guy that uh, I, I saw the quote from his head coach last year, not prime, but last year after he got hurt. He went down early November, I think November 5th, 6th, whatever it was, for the year. Uh, lower leg injuries, what they called it, air quotes. Uh, after he got hurt, his coach was kind of crestfallen, just really kind of sucker punched, gut punched about. Mm. Yeah, he just had a couple of hundred-yard games for us, and uh, and now he's out for the year. Um, the, the wide receivers coach was all excited about his development late in the season. So he was a guy that was really coming on, really gaining a lot of momentum in his career, goes down with the injury. Um, I think he's somebody that could help Oklahoma, especially the way the the receiver room looked this spring. Yeah, we kind of talked about this in our spring game post game that throwing two passes to like 10 dudes is the same thing as if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks. Like that no. is not depth, that's bodies. There's a difference at Oklahoma, you need depth. So it makes sense they're aggressively pursuing. Uh, I'll just be frank. I watched one half of Colorado football last year, and it was the first half of the TCU game. So game one, uh, I have no idea what Jordan Tyson is. I didn't dive into it because Colorado was an awful football team. Uh, He's a former three-star kid. I'm very skeptical of production on an awful team because it's just like, yeah, who else are you going to throw the ball to? Congrats. There is no pressure with anything you do playing Colorado football, at least under their previous regime. So it'll be interesting if Oklahoma lands him. Uh, the, he had a good punt returning game, which shows he's got some some open field ability. Like I buy more into that than his actual receiving numbers because – Again, it's like the NBA. If you're on an awful team, like anyone can go out there and average 20 points a game because like you're the only one shooting the ball. Uh, I'm not going to buy into any production from anyone on a 1-11 football team. And frankly, I don't think that's where Oklahoma should be looking to make additions. They tried the guys making steps up from lower level spots last year, and those transfers mostly fell flat. Just real quick, he was not offered by Oklahoma out of high school. He's from Allen, Texas, six foot, hundred and seventy. He's not an imposing player. He's not a blazing fast player. Just the two games that he got finally untracked last year, he was very productive. He chose Colorado. Here's his offer list: over Campbell University, Colorado State, Incarnate Word, New Mexico, Sam Houston State, Texas State, 
and the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. So mm. that's kind of where you're at with that. Yeah, you know, it's hard to not perceive it as a lack of vote of confidence or the opposite of vote of a, of a vote of confidence is in your receiving room that you're still, you know, you already added Brendan Thompson. You're still looking to add another guy who's like you guys just articulated. It's not like a bona fide, just get him. You know what I mean? He's, he's a guy who played one year Colorado, was pretty productive, not really high time to high school. Colorado was obviously horrendous last year. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Um, I mean, I think of like, remember we talked to Miguel Chavis and he said, basically, I won't apologize for adding talent to the room, like not worrying about hurting people's feelings. So I'm not suggesting yep. that, but it's just the fact that Oklahoma sees a need when there are, there are scholarship limits, obviously on a roster, you can just add in exponentially that they feel the need to uh, chase another guy. I don't think that's a great indicator of how they feel about the receiving room. Maybe that's an over, you know, over, uh, exaggeration on my part i don't know but i don't know the receiver position is really weird for oklahoma right now i don't know what to make of it it's like the weird position on the team yeah and i think the the matrix here is that emmett jones and brent venables are looking for a receiver not that it's oh my gosh you know jordan tyson he's he's going to come in and change the narrative and Mm. be the superstar it's not that it's that hey they're out there actively pursuing, actively bringing guys, transfer portal guys onto campus, looking for more help, immediate posting, immediate job opening in Norman, Oklahoma. Indeed, indeed. Uh, see, bad. Anyway, trash that joke. Uh, but the, 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 yeah, the, the, it. It was good. The the flip side of that though, if if you're like Ryan, you're an idiot. Very open to that. Uh, a guy like L.V. Bunkley Shelton played 12 games in that same Pac-12 in 2021 and was not as productive as Tyson was through nine games with the injury. And Tyson, if he had played the rest of the year and he had continued that 100-yard streak or, or even just getting to like 80 yards in those games, he would have really, really put behind. So that L.V. Bunkley Shelton, a guy that came over and couldn't get on the field last year, similar conference of fun young wide receiver on a meh to bad Arizona state team. Tyson was better on a worse Colorado team in that same conference. So maybe that gives you optimism that it could be a little bit of a different story uh, for, for a young guy that really only has nine games to, to go off. of. Some other uh, transfer portal cleanup, a couple of guys announced a new team, get your guys reaction to those uh, real quick. As first you had Bray Walker, Said he's going to Texas State, which is where, of course, uh, Marcus Alexander is. So they can just have an all OU offensive line there. Basically, they're just in the works of making an uh, offensive line uh, of former OU guys. I think the trade of Devon Sears for these two guys, I think Oklahoma's probably comfortable with that trade. Um, So he now goes to Texas State. And then the big one, Jaden Davis to Miami which is a little surprising. Um, not that he, he would pick Miami. Um, that's where he's from, from Florida and whatnot like that. But, I mean, how many guys have we seen OU from OU hit the portal on the defensive side especially um, and actually end up at another Power 5 team? Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Um, and so Jaden Davis ends up with the Canes. Uh, what do you make of that? This was actually my prediction. The first thing I saw was South Florida, and the next thing I saw was Florida, and I said, why not Miami? He's from Miami. The Canes always need new talent. Yeah, Miami's not going to go after a defensive back from Oklahoma, right? 
right? I mean, come on. No, they did because he's a hometown kid and he wanted to go there. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense. And he's a guy that has started at Oklahoma, has been productive at times at Oklahoma. I think he'll fit in nicely. Um, now, the Texas State thing, I have to ask the question, when's the last time Texas State landed a five-star offensive lineman like Bray Walker? Good guy. Ever? Hey, the, the Bobcats are rolling in the portal. Uh, yes, they are. We, we have no idea if any of those guys can play because they never played, but the Bobcats are rolling indeed. Uh, Davis to Miami. Cristobal is one of the few first-year head coaches that had it worse than Brent Venables last year, and so they they just need anyone and everyone. So I think it was as simple as uh, not actually, but Mario Cristobal probably didn't even turn on the tape. He's like, wait, a guy that started games in Oklahoma? Yes, no. I, sign me up. Where Can I get Ruiz on the phone? Can we back channel with John Ruiz to get Jaden Davis to Miami? So <laughs> he'll have a big platform. Um, but yeah, it's the Canes. It's going to be tough sled. Good for him, though. I mean, nice, nice, a nice spot. You know, like we said, the number of guys, especially defensively, obviously offensive guys, there's plenty you could pick from, but defensively to portal out of Oklahoma and actually end up at another, you know, major program. Not a lot, not a lot. Um, so good for Jaden, uh, at least landing on his feet there. I'm sure he's excited about that opportunity. Wish him luck there. All right. Shifting over to NFL draft recap. Had that last week. Of course, five guys drafted for the Sooners all on offense. It extends a streak. That's obviously been talked about a lot as a big recruiting tool for Oklahoma. 16 straight years that at least four guys have been drafted, which is the longest streak in the nation, which is, it is impressive. It's kind of a, a little bit of a cherry pick stat of, you know, four guys. Cause that just, there's certain stats you can just manipulate to be what you want them to be. And that kind of falls in that category, but still five guys are taken. Anton Harrison in the first round of the Jaguars, Marvin Mims, in the second round of the Broncos, Wanya Morris in the third round of the Chiefs, Eric Gray in the fifth round of the Giants and Braden Willis got drafted. We weren't sure about him. Late seventh round to the 49ers. Winners, losers, what do you take aways from the draft last week? Uh, hmm. That's big. Yeah, I like, I like Anton Harrison to Jacksonville. Um, I'm sure when Trevor Lawrence heard that news, he was like, we're good. We got a first-round offensive tackle. I like it. I think that's a good fit. I think Marvin Mims is going to be successful anywhere. Uh, I'm not sure – the Denver Broncos quarterback situation is the best thing for him, but there's a lot of Sooners and former Sooners there. So he'll be, you know, he'll start his NFL career in a, in a comfortable position. Uh, hopefully they get that. Hopefully Russell Wilson plays better. They can get that corner, that quarterback situation figured out. Uh, Wanye in, um, in Kansas city is a little bit of a little bit of an odd fit, I think. Um, but maybe they just so in love with Bill Biedenboe's productivity over the years that they're willing to take a shot on Wanya Morris. I think Eric Gray is one of those guys that's going to be successful no matter where he goes. Uh, Tennessee, I'm sorry, the Giants are a uh, are good fit for him. I don't know, ideal fit, perfect fit, I don't know. But he's one of those dudes with the attitude that he takes toward his preparation and his offseason and his professionalism that DeMarco Murray talks so much about. He's going to be a good fit anywhere. And then same thing with uh, Braden Willis. Uh, there's not going to be a million reps available. For the 40, in the 49ers offense for a new tight end, but he is a, uh, you know, we talked a million times about his blocking ability, his versatility. He'll fit. I think that's a great dynamic offense for him to go play in. I don't think he's going to catch 30 or 40 or 50 passes. Don't get me wrong, but 
he'll find a niche in that offense to where he can play and play for a long time. Yeah, I think for uh, Eric Gray, Saquon's holdout might actually play into his hands as far as a guy that can do everything in Eric Gray, not to the level that Saquon can, but he can kind of be Saquon light in camp and have a chance to like try to impress people, things like that, if that's what he's able to do. Wanye, I think that he's landed in a spot where he doesn't have to come in and like day one be a dude for them, so he can kind of get settled into the NFL life, continue to develop, and, and maybe they'll use him there. I'm a bit worried for Marvin, it, not because of anything Marvin Mims. If they want to use him in the slot, Russell Wilson refuses to throw between the hashes. Like, he just doesn't throw over the middle of the field. So I worry a little bit for Marvin Mims that he might just get lost in the shuffle due to no fault of his own. But like you mentioned, who have the quarterback situation, just a guy that doesn't use that area of the field if that's where they want to use him. And then, yeah, working back at Anton, great spot there, a team that's immediately going to be competing, right? A playoff team from last year. You're protecting a really, really good quarterback, and they've had a uh, six-game suspension with one of their tackles, so that'll free up Anton to kind of compete for both spots, honestly, uh, regardless of what he wants to do. Yeah, I actually – I really like the Eric Gray fit with the Giants. I think him as number two option behind a bona fide number one, like Saquon Barkley, is is really good for him. I kind of – you know, there's, there's a chance there. I can kind of envision a – Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott type of dynamic with with those two as him coming in, you know, on third downs or whatever, catching passes. I like that fit. Uh, I do think that could really, really work uh, for Eric Gray. And I've, you know, obviously been a big fan of him in his time at Oklahoma. And then, you know, Mims with Denver, I I would feel better if it was like Russell Wilson of like five years ago. Because remember, yeah. Russell Wilson had as nice of a deep ball as anybody. And we saw Marvin Mims go over the top deep ball like 9,000 times in his time at Oklahoma. So envisioning those Russell Wilson deep balls that look like they just fall from the sky into Marvin Mims' hands, I can see it, but I don't know if Russell Wilson's that guy anymore. So I, I don't – got to kind of uh, – that remains to be seen. One thing that's nice for Mims is that the Broncos are the OU capital of the NFL now. They have five yep. OU guys. Five. What a That's absurd. DeLaren Turniel, Nick Benito, Ben Powers, Samaj P. Ryan, and now Marvin Mims. Five OU guys on the Broncos. So and Sean Payton has a history of liking OU guys. The new, new coach. He's he's gonna fix that offense, you'd like to think. So maybe Marvin Mims does have a little bit of a shot to take off here. Sean Payton has worked with some good OU receivers in the past. Kenny Stills, uh New Orleans, and uh, I think Jalen Saunders was there in New Orleans for a brief time. So I think Mark Clayton played for the Saints briefly, didn't he? Maybe not Baltimore. I don't know. Maybe not Baltimore forever and then the Rams. Yeah, that's right. I I don't think he finished. I'm thinking of uh, Jamal Brown for some reason being the offensive tackle. Wanya Morris is funny too, because it is like the Chiefs just are addicted to OU offensive linemen. This is a a stretch now of Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Wanya Morris. They just, they, they like them some OU offensive linemen. Uh, They trust Bill Beanbow. I think that's That's good. Andy Reid and Bill Beanbow seem like they would be friends. Yeah, they seem like they would get yeah. along. They'd be buds. They'd go get a burger and just hang out. I could see that. Although yeah. I can't see Bill Beanbow in like a Hawaiian shirt. Like I think that Andrew no. would be like, I will what? offer you one, and Bill is really? like, I think Bill Beanbow and Hawaiian shirt would go together great on on vacation. Hmm. Maybe I Maybe. I see Bill Beanbow as one of those guys. Got his toes in the sand, looking out <laughs> over the beach. I mean, that would be fantastic. Yeah, Bill Beanbow strikes me as a guy that's like. 
Mrs. Beanbo has to go. No, Bill, you can't wear another team issued <laughs> polo tonight. Like, do you have anything that that doesn't have a, a Jordan brand logo or the OU, uh, you know, interlocking OU on it? That that's what he strikes me as. Like the, I get the team issued stuff. I'm just gonna rock with it. Remember, he wants to retire to Grand Lake, man. He's all about those sure. low key, relaxing vibes. I see him totally in a Hawaiian shirt. What a laundry list of guys drafted for him. I mean, adding two more guys. Yeah. It's it's insane. That that's as obvious of a recruiting tool as there is. Like just look at the number of guys that have been drafted after playing for me. It's actually quite the list. It really is impressive. What about the uh, undrafted free agents here? Anybody in particular that you guys think has a shot? It's really really hard, really hard to do. But a lot of you know a lot of guys got signed. Um, I'm not going to rattle them all off. Deshaun White got an invite to camp. Jalen Redmond went to the Panthers. Michael Turk to the Dolphins. Anybody in particular you're saying, I think he has some, you know, at least a little wiggle room here to try and earn himself a spot and a job going to next season. Uh, the easy way out of this answer is Michael Turk's going to be in the NFL. I, I don't think there's any question. Michael Turk has got an NFL career ahead of him. He can punt the crap out of the football. Um, the one that I would say is probably obvious from a, a positional standpoint, Jalen Redman. I, I still think he's got uh, enough talent. He, you know, he was a five-star for a reason coming out of high school. He wasn't a bust at OU. He played when he played. He played very well. He's got a. I think he's got a future in the NFL. Um, and then the other guy that kind of surprise would surprise me a little bit. He's just he just needs to get on the field. He just needs an opportunity to get his body between the white lines and make plays, which is all he's done. C.J. Colden. I think C.J. Colden uh, signed a, sh- a small deal, free agent deal with the Vikings. Uh, if he gets a chance, if he gets a legitimate chance to get out there and do some things, they're going to see him with the football in his hands running the other direction. They're going to say, should we give this rookie a shot? Yeah, Colden, I was going to say, is the only undrafted guy that I actually see sticking um, the Vikings need, need defensive backs in a big way. And I feel like this could be like a Trey Norwood situation as far as what did Trey Norwood do? We just heard over and over again in camp that, yeah, he is like an interception a day. It feels like CJ Cole, when he got out, finally got on the field in Oklahoma, what did he do? Uh, in a bad secondary, he just kept picking the ball off. So, so that one to me feels like a, a way that he could go in there with a team that is just razor thin in the secondary and maybe make some moves. I just, I don't, I still don't know what position Jalen Redmond plays in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like he was not productive on the interior. Um, is he going to slide back out to the outside? He hasn't played there for a while. Michael Turk's got to learn how to down the ball inside the 20 yard line. Like it doesn't matter how, how far you can kick it. If you blow those coverages, nobody wants you. And he showed no ability to do that through two years. So uh, I, I've really only got looking at cold because I, I don't expect any of those guys to be bumping around really. Uh, the NFL question is, does Justin Broyles have to sign a rookie contract or does he come in at the four year veteran minimum already? Because he's been in college for six years. True. Does the sole mission slide out contracts like that? I don't know how, how that goes. He'll be coaching coaching soon. uh, Justin Broyles, not that he can't play in the NFL. I just have a prediction that he'll be back in Oklahoma city coaching youth at some point. Very, very soon. He won't play in the NFL. He can't no. play. He couldn't play high level college football. Yeah, he uh, he was inspirational, Ryan. He was shout out uh, shout out Broyles. 
getting a, an offer from the Bears. Yeah, um, I didn't expect that. I didn't either. Um, so that's cool. He can at least say that that happened. I would, yeah, I'd be floored if uh, he was on a team. Um, how you feel about Colton, who was kind of how I feel about Deshaun White? Like, I think he has a chance, maybe, if he can find a way to get an opportunity. Um, I don't know how well he's going to practice, though, to, like, get that. And also, what is he? He talked about a pro day. What What is he? Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? He's kind of nothing. He's, he's just kind of floating around. I think he's a good football player. He got He's with the Eagles. So he's going to a really top-notch team and organization right now. Um, I don't know if that's good for football. him or bad for him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, honestly. He's, he's going to the best roster in football. He's going to have the hardest time of anybody yeah. of sticking. So – I don't know. He got he had several offers. He had the Giants and Buffalo both also entertained him. He ended up going to the Eagles, you know, but he, he bounced around a little bit. He had some interest. So I don't know. I mean, he's a good football player. He had a really good season last year. Um, you know, we know talking to him all the time last year that he is, you know, a veteran guy, mature kid, things like that. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I think if he could find a way to get a shot and actually yeah. be on the field. He could maybe make some things happen and kind of earn a gamer type of thing, but I just don't know if he's going to practice well enough to it'd be impressive enough to even get that opportunity. We'll see. You know, uh, I'm not sure. We'll see. Did, did that offer with Philly end up being an undrafted free agent? Because last I saw, it was just a bunch of like he had lined up multiple mini camp invites, and that's just never a good sign. Like if, if you're not even hitting the undrafted free agent, if you're just getting the mini camp invites, that's it's just tough. It, it's really really tough to coming in. To your point, make an impact that quickly right. in that short of amount right. of time. They need bodies for those mini camps, and that's what a lot of those rookies are. And if they've happened to find a diamond in the rough, even better. Um, yeah, he's he's a tweener who doesn't really have a position, who's going on to the best roster in football. That's going to be a tough thing. Here's the deal, though. You guys know this: these uh, NFL rookie contracts, these uh, free agent contracts, and and mini camp, you know, week three day contracts and stuff like that that they do. You can kick around in the NFL and land on a practice squad and be in the, be in the NFL, be on an NFL team, maybe not an active roster, but on an NFL team, you know, three, four, five years and make a decent living uh, playing the sport of football that you love. So I think uh, the guys that, that are doing that right now have enough, most of them have enough talent that they're going to be able to stick around and jump from camp to camp and get cut here and invited there and that kind of thing. I don't forget Deshaun White drafted into the US, USFL That's as right. well. He's got a great fallback. He does. So, yeah, he's – yeah, you're right, Ryan. Good distinction. He's going to Eagles minicamp, and then he's actually going to go to the Bills after. I guess, like, the calendar works out to where he can do both. So, he's going to do both. And then, yeah, he's got the USFL sitting there if he wants to go try and be on a, a USFL team for a little bit and see if he can't find a way to impress somebody. It only takes one, right? That's a cliche. It only takes one to believe sure. in you. And uh, we'll see how that – how that bears out. Did you guys see also, um, not to like make fun of him or something, but that Amani Bledsoe got suspended for the entire season for uh, for PED usage. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. So that's not his first then if it's the entire season. No, right? he, got, he got six games last year. He's not yeah. on a team, mind you. Um, mm. And yeah, he got suspended for the full year. So uh, I appreciate the hustle. He's just trying. He's trying. <laughs> respect. <laughs> Massive respect. To uh, Amani Bud. So he was on NFL team for a little while. He's on the Titans for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a little bit of a career, which Cardinals. I'm not sure how many people thought that was going to happen, you know, after his time at OU. So, yeah, I think Cardinals as well. Yeah. So shout out Amani Bud. So didn't think he would be on the show today. Now, did you? Now, here he comes. He's no. a little blast from the past. 
All right, we'll go ahead and take another time out here. Hit some other sports. Basketball, another portal edition. Softball's winning. Baseball's winning. Good stuff for you there. And got some new coaches. We'll talk about those a little bit as well for soccer and wrestling. Wrapping up the show next right here on the All Sooners Podcast. Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. Final segment of the All Sooners podcast, episode 186. Hit some other sports here, send you on your way into your first weekend of May. More basketball transfer commits. Add their fourth one uh, over the last week. Latrey Darthard. Hope I'm saying that correctly. From Utah Valley. He is a guard. He played a lot of basketball there for UVU. Uh, last year, 37 starts. Average 13.8 points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.6 assists per game. And he joins a uh, guard room, if that's a thing in basketball, more of a football term. With uh, Milo Zuzan, Rivaldo Suarez, and JV McCollum. Of course, Suarez and McCollum, they both have added uh, this portal cycle as well. Obviously, there's not going to be a lot of intel on a player from Utah Valley. What do you guys make of the addition? And um, Oklahoma just kind of loading up on guards here. It's their uh, third guard edition, like I said, with Suarez and McCollum. Yeah, that is interesting that they're they're staying guard heavy. Uh, basketball obviously has become transitioned more into a positionless sport, so you're getting guys that can play all over the floor. But a guard is a guard. You're six one. You're six two. Uh, you're not going to be bodying up any any post men, right? So uh, he's got experience, like you referenced, over a thousand minutes played last year. He played three seasons plus a year of junior college. He's from Denton, Texas. Uh, so he's got some familiarity with the Sooners. I don't think he has any familiarity with Porter because Porter was in Chicago when he was at Denton. So uh, not an exceptional shooter. Shot about 42% from the floor and 35% from three, um, but more of a defensive specialist, I understand. So, you know, that role has to be filled by somebody, the defensive specialist, the perimeter guy, the the Isaiah Harkless, the, uh, the you know, uh, not Isaiah Harkless, uh, Harkless. Elijah. Elijah, thank you. Yeah, I'm getting my Bible guys <laughs> mixed up. All right, <laughs> Elijah Harkless, EJ, as we called him. Um, somebody gritty, somebody tough, somebody just you know sticks his nose in there and just you yeah. know, comes out bloodied. That's what you want. You need somebody to do that role. So uh, if this uh, if this kid Latrey Darthard can do that, can fill that role, um, I don't think anybody else on this roster currently has uh, has those credentials. So maybe he's that guy. Maybe he's that hard-nosed perimeter defender. Yeah, you mentioned the, the all-conference defense. I think that's what Porter Moser's hoping will translate. And then everything else, when you're taking huge steps up offensively, like if you can just maintain some semblance of the same numbers, you're happy. The, the other thing is, too, Oklahoma just needed depth because, uh, again, we talked about it as guys just kept leaving the portal. Another offseason where you're having to fill over half the roster. So... 
And, and it just didn't seem like there was many like top end guys this year in the portals, maybe the, the last couple of years. So that filters out when, when you're looking to add your, you know, fourth or fifth body that you're gonna have to go to different interesting places to grab those guys out of the portal. Yeah, doing some math here for Oklahoma, they've added seven scholarships to the team when you uh, include the two freshmen, the four transfer guys, and Sam Godwin was moved to scholarship. Obviously, remember that. And they lost eight guys, and they operated with an open spot last year. So they still have two spots Mm -hmm. to add more if they want. So, you know, all things considered, you know, they've done okay in the portal, I think, to this point. I think Porter has done an okay job at least – not being noticeably worse than they were. I think they'll probably be probably about the same. Um, unfortunately for Oklahoma right now, the same is not good because they were last place last year. So I don't know how much better they're going to be, but you know, I think they've done an okay job. You still have a couple spots to play around with. We'll see what they do. Uh, we'll see what they do here in due time. They've had some guys visiting and whatnot. So um, more additions are on the horizon. Probably yep. another big, obviously, at least a guy who can play the four for you. They all of a sudden are kind of guard heavy here. They need some bangers. For sure. And I yeah. sold I sold uh, Darth a little bit short. He's got a couple of career highs of 30 and 31 points in his in his college career at Utah Valley. So kind of a little bit of a Harkless arc there as well, where Harkless could score, but he wasn't a guy that uh, you relied on for it. For sure. For, hey, they, they got a center. I won't complain. No, no OU basketball yeah. complaints from Ryan for at least a couple more months. They got a center. I mean, your depth at the five isn't horrible um, with, with Hughley brought in, who you're referring to there. Yeah, obviously, Godwin is back. And then you have Luke Northweather and Yaya Kita, which who knows what those guys are or are going to be, but they're there uh, year two in the program. So I don't know. I mean, they, they've done an okay job, all things considered. But like we said a million times, you can't do this every time and then hope to not just be treading water. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see what they can do with those other couple of open spots here. Obviously, uh, still got a long, long way to go before ramping up toward uh, next season, still six months or so. So, all right, shifting over to softball. Another big weekend for them, continuing to do their thing. They swept Kansas over the weekend, clinched the Big 12, even before the Bedlam series, which, Ryan, you've been talking about all year, was going to be basically the series to determine who wins the Big 12. And it's already sewn up before we even got there, which is kind of nuts. They also went ahead and took care of Tulsa last night up in Who's Neck of the Woods in T-Town. They've won a million games in a row. I think they're, is it 46-1 and one now? They're a buzzsaw. I mean, there's, I, I say this every single week for two, for three years or whatever now. I don't know what else to say. They just dominate, and uh, that's what they're doing right now. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday was two zip in the uh, top of the seventh inning, and they ended up hitting us up. Uh, uh, grand slam, at least Alyssa Brito with the grand slam, but it felt like they were just, and Patty kept them on the field after the game to talk about the importance of focusing and put, you know, whatever, whatever the message was, it was two zip in the seventh inning against Tulsa. And Patty is not satisfied. So that was, that's the standard. I'm not, you know, complaining about Patty or the two zip or anything. I'm saying that's the standard that Oklahoma set. It's so impressive to watch. Yeah, and and for them, uh, the sweep of Kansas that Saturday game, Patty had called that basically the most polished game that they had played in quite a while, and they were getting 
first off, Nicole May was like one hit batter away from a perfect game. I think if she had the perfect game rolling, you might not have seen Kirsten Deal. But that was a no-no. Uh, they scored eight runs in the first inning. Grace Green had her senior moment with a three-run shot. They It was eight games straight, shutting out Big 12 opponents. That's one ga- I'm talking about one game right now, uh, which is why it's like a thousand words to recap every softball game because they have five trillion things happen in them. But uh, Sunday, I thought that the moment of senior day got to them a little bit. Just Straka looked a little nervy, a little more nervy than we've seen her, stuff like that, and they still rolled over Kansas. And so now it's locked in for this big Bedlam series this weekend. Not for any Big 12 implications, like you said, Josh, but like this is a desperate Oklahoma State team. So if they can come in there and win one of those games, I think they'll lock down a, a top eight seed, which means they get to host Supers. So they'll be wanting to get that thing rolling. But kind of the story has been just like last year in college softball, there was parity everywhere except for with Oklahoma. In the Big 12, there's been parity everywhere except for with the Sooners. Nobody can beat them. What's your prediction? For the weekend, Ryan, does do they get the sweep? Yeah, OSU can't score right now. Like, <laughs> like their, their batting average hasn't really dipped a ton. They ha- before that Texas Tech series, they had like forty-one runners left on base in their like five-game losing streak. And again, guys, that Texas Tech team's not anything good. Like, they are a home run or strikeout. That like they basically just close their eyes and swing as hard as they possibly can. And you've seen that in Big Twelve play. They got run ruled twice that Red Raiders did, but then they popped up and beat OSU in that second game of the doubleheader. Like there are issues. And the message last week out of Stillwater was don't panic. That was Kenny Gajewski's message. Mm. That's not a message of a team that's going anywhere. For sure. Should be fun to watch. I assume it'll be, you know, pretty nutty out there in uh, Stillwater or whatnot. Um, kind of is wherever that team goes. OU that is, um, should be fun. Should be fun to keep up with and see what happens. Crazy that the Big 12's already wrapped up because, like you, yeah. you know, it was kind of a given all year that that would be for the for the conference. Not so much a Big 12 tournament next week, and then the whole thing, the big the big dance, gets started in two weeks. Yeah, uh, do they go undefeated the rest of the of the season? Is the is the question? Do they get <laughs> all the way through Oklahoma City twice oh. regionals. Do they well, go undefeated? So here's the thing that'll be in favor of that this go around is that they're actually going to care to show up in Oklahoma City for the Big 12 tournament because um, last year that did not seem very high priority. And because they got beat, that means that this team is like the embodiment of Baker Mayfield of they've got their list. And if you wrong Oklahoma softball, they will come and pummel you. So I think they'll sweep through Bedlam and sweep through the Big 12 tournament, which is really just two games. Not going to get tested in regionals. The super matchup could be interesting if like Baylor's hanging around, but they handled them pretty good. So it's just about the World Series. They lost a game at the World Series last year. I, I don't think they'll get through the Women's College World Series without dropping a game. Uh, but that would be it. So who wears the Bedlam Fu Manchu this week? I think or, or, or in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think that's got to be a Kinsey Hansen thing. She seems to be the uh, the one that could could step out there. And here's the thing: if if it was Hansen, I think that the cowgirl dugout would be like mortif- like terrified, like because anything she does, it is terrifying to opponents. You know how the quarterbacks used to do it, where the the whole quarterback room would wear the Fu Manchu. I'd say the Grace room, yeah, both Grace Green and <laughs> Grace crazy. Lyon wear the Fu Manchu. They're both married to football players. They know what's at stake, right? Yeah, exactly. Married, one's married, the other one's going to be. Uh, yeah. Why not? A couple of, of Fu Manchu's making making Bedlam magic happen. 
And those are your two super seniors that have been in Norman the whole time. So they understand why the Fu Manchu. Why must yep. we wear this Fu Manchu? Exactly. Hey, how cool sure. was that that uh, Patty just melted like that with Grace Green? I have not. I've seen her get emotional and get choked up. I've never seen her just start like sobbing and hugging players in a press conference. That was that was really cool. Yeah, I think the only other time I saw that was the champ series at the end of the champ series last year, where she kind of had one of those moments. Um, I think yeah. it was she had her gr- granddaughter sitting on her lap. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, another one on the way. I think another baby was on the way that they just named or something. So yeah, it was high emotional content last year. Yeah, I think Jenny Carlson was throwing out the word dynasty to Patty, and that kind of like got Patty a second that she had finally taken a step back and was like, I mean, I guess we're there. You know what I mean? Like, and and, and that was like an emotional moment for her. But yeah, I I would encourage you go to allsooners.com if you haven't seen it yet. That Grace Green moment, like Patty, just nothing but love for Grace Green, someone who was a Big Twelve freshman of the year in 2019 a starter in every game in 2020 and then is now just like a pinch hitter basically stuck it out stayed with it patty called her the glue of the team and and i think you could see why with how i i asked grace this when she hit that home run against kansas on saturday i've seen a bunch of celebrations for oklahoma home runs covering this team the last two years plus this season that's the fastest i've seen them pour out of the dugout this side of maybe aloe's record-breaking home run like that that team loves Grace Green. You could see it with just their reaction there in that moment. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff that they, uh, you know, able to do that final, not final home series, but senior, senior weekend, final regular season series. I was going to just say, too, with the Fu Manchu thing, I'm pretty sure that I could be wrong, but I think Casey Kelleher was the only guy to keep it going. And he's gone now. So that mantle is up for grabs. And I don't know if these these youngsters don't probably even – they were just in diapers whenever Baker was doing the Fu Manchu <laughs> thing. So, uh, and Trevor Knight and that that group. So pressure's on for somebody to keep it going. Bedlam, there's only one Bedlam week left. So you can't, you can't ruin it. You got to – somebody's got to bring it. Here's the, and we'll see who does it. Have we ever seen Dylan with any facial hair at all? Oh, that that oh, was my – like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, Dylan might have to start now, which is not like a knock. Like, this is what it is. He might have yeah. to start okay. now. General Booty has to lead this cause. <laughs> if he's still on the roster in November or whatever, he has to be the guy who brings out the facial hair and then shaves it clean except for the Fu Manchu for Bedlam Week. He's got to be. Dig it. I dig it. He's a, a heavy contender. Cause yeah, Jackson Arnold is like, he's just a pup. I don't know if he can do it yet. <laughs> um, I couldn't do it now. So I, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not judging by any means. Um, baseball. They won the series against Kansas uh, over the weekend after an ugly Friday game, but they came back. They won Saturday and Sunday, won the series. They go to Dallas last night and beat DBU, who is a good team. If you're not a college baseball fan, you look at the team and you're like, Dallas Baptist, what is that? Dallas Baptist is a perennial top 25 team. They're ranked 16 right now. And OU went in there last night, won on the road, first time in a while. I think since like 2010 or something that they went and beat Dallas Baptist in Dallas. Um, and they play basically every year. So it goes to show you how DB has had their number and how good that team and that program is. All of a sudden here, they've won six of seven. They're pitching well. They, they've always been hitting, even when they were struggling, but they're hitting very well at the moment. Playing some good defense. Vibes are high. They're firmly back on the bubble. And, you know, hey, all of a sudden, you know, I, who knows, right? You know, but it's hard not to think of what happened last year and how they got just ungodly hot out of nowhere. 
and they just rode that thing all the way to the championship series. I'm not going to say they're going to do that again. It's been two weekends, but they're playing really well right now. They won six of seven, like I said. Another huge series this weekend, but there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic uh, at the moment. Yeah, uh, I don't see why not. We've been waiting for them to turn the corner, Josh, all all spring. All year, uh, yeah. Kind of like they did last year. I know different team, that, t- that team last year lost uh, the rotation, the, re- the bullpen. The, that team lost a bunch of seniors in the lineup. So we can't expect that. We shouldn't expect that. And yet here, are, here we are with these expectations that they're going to at some point catch fire. They're going to turn the corner. They're going to start winning these series. And maybe now we're there with, what, two weeks left in the regular season? Three How weeks. much uh, for yeah. you, Josh? How much work do they need to do to get off the bubble and pushed into the tournament? Yeah, I mean, you have opportunities here starting this weekend. They go to Morgantown. West Virginia is number 11 in the top 25 right now and is currently in first place in the Big 12. So if you find a way to go get two of three in Morgantown, I would think they might be in the field right there. But especially considering that you still have Bedlam to end the regular season. You got a Gonzaga series sandwich in between there. Gonzaga normally pretty good. Not good this year. You need to win that series for sure. And then maybe we'll get a win or two in uh, in in Arlington, the Big 12 tournament. You know, you get, you get some opportunities here, but I, I don't think you necessarily have to win the series this weekend. You definitely need to get at least one and then get two or three from Gonzaga, win Bedlam series, two or three there, maybe get a win in Arlington. They should have a pretty good shot. They're, they're metrically, the metrics like them because their schedule has been so tough. And they do have good wins under their belt. What's crazy is you look at the Big 12 standings. The Big 12 is very bunched up this year. Oklahoma could easily end up as high as second. I mean, very, very soon. And if they, they're not probably not going to because it's asking a lot. But if they swept West Virginia this weekend, also Oklahoma can like win the Big 12, and which is nuts. So it's been that kind of year. Been a very topsy turvy conference. Um, you know, a couple teams haven't been quite as good as they had hoped. And the teams like West Virginia have been a lot better than anybody thought they would be. So, conference is jam-packed. You really wish you could have that Baylor series back uh, that you lost. But, hey, if they're, they're playing well right now. So, we'll see what they can do. Big series this weekend in Morgantown. Um, all right, last thing. Let's talk a little soccer and wrestling. I don't know if we've ever done that on either front. Well, let's nope. do it. They got new coaches. I figure, why not? Let's throw it on there. Give them a little yeah. bit of shine. So, both teams... Hired new coaches uh, over the uh, last week or so. They both come from uh, other Division One programs. Let me make sure I get the names correct. I should have had it ready. For soccer, the coach comes from Ole Miss. I remember that. Brian, have the name handy. I should have got Matthew it Matthew Mott. Yeah, Matthew Mott. That's right. That's right. I knew the wrestling is Kish, but I couldn't remember the soccer one offhand. I didn't have it handy. So soccer comes from Ole Miss. Kish comes from North Dakota State, which is a Big 12 program in wrestling. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about anything when it comes to these sports or uh, what kind of hires these are. But at least on the surface, they both come from other D1 programs in power conferences. What do you guys think? I mean, again, we're not going to pretend to be experts on either of these sports. But seemingly, you know, veteran coaches who have coached at a high level for a while, not bad. Successful coaches, both coaches successful at their previous stint, which one is a current Big 12 member and one is a future SEC member. Joe Castiglione, raiding party, going and getting guys that he wants to coach the programs. Uh, And here's the deal. Ryan, you know this. You follow soccer closely. 
women's soccer at Oklahoma has been one of the uh, drags on the system, so to speak, just in terms of the coach and the, the expectations. And they should be better. They have, they can recruit Dallas. There's some elite players every year coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, and for one reason or another, the, the program has just been stuck in neutral. And so maybe Matt Mott, you know, with his ties throughout the SEC and his history coaching at Ole Miss, maybe he gives them a shot to finally get that thing in drive and moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to apologize. I have no knowledge of wrestling or thoughts on wrestling. Sorry. Um, Proud it, program. Yeah. Be yeah. And so I, I – I would love to. I have not got to talk to Kelly Gregg. I was hoping I was going to get to talk to Kelly Gregg before we yeah. did this because he'll have the lowdown. Uh, but with Ma, it it marks a change of course for Joe Siglione and his soccer hires. The last two have been out of the U.S. women's national team youth setup. So you're bringing over a coach like that. And Mark Carr had the recruiting humming there at the end. They had their best season in years last year. Uh, it was other stuff that, that led to that change. So Mott is a guy that a longtime Texas assistant and then a longtime head coach at Ole Miss. So you're coming f- directly from the college soccer ranks as opposed to the youth team setups, which is just different. And so I'm interested to kind of dig in and see what that all um, entails. He's had a, a handful of MPSL draftees, draft picks into the professional leagues of soccer. So he'll know the SEC. Obviously, he'll know the Texas area, like you were mentioning, Hoove, with, with the amount of time he spent as an assistant at UT. And he's just a college soccer guy. So it represents a bit of a change. I'm interested to see if, if that kind of shifts results. Because last year, Oklahoma had set attendance record after attendance record in soccer. It felt like they finally got that thing to a place where a ton of freshmen, future is bright, than, than having the change. So his first thing will be getting on campus and locking down the roster that's already there. Like, hey, get everybody get out of the portal. Come, come yeah. hang and, and stay put. One of the big differences you're talking about in coaching uh, youth development versus college uh, athletes is that they're all about developing. They're all about small-sided drills. And here's how we get our footwork better. And here's the foundation we're going to lay. We don't really care about winning. You know, they care about winning, but they really emphasize the development, development, development. In college, it's about what, what have you done? How many wins did you put on the scoreboard? Uh, This is Uh a college team Fans don't care about your development. If your players come here, they need to be already developed. If they're going to play pro, they already need to be developed. This is college. Win games. And that's just, it's really a disconnect between the the youth players and the youth levels and what they're taught and how they uh, react in college, what they're taught in college. A lot of girls come to college and they might not know how to win because they've never been taught. Now, there is uh, some football ties here, of course, on the soccer front. Uh, Emma Alvord, who of course is the she's the girlfriend of Peyton Bowen. Remember the OU soccer account just tweeted a photo of her whenever Peyton Bowen flipped OU on signing day. Well, she decommitted. Um, she's not coming to OU anymore. Now I'm not here to suggest that Peyton Bowen's going to just leave OU now, but that uh, you know is certain that caught attention because she's a well known player because of that and that that whole thing. So she decommitted, and then also to note uh, Bryant Wesco, who is a five star receiver who is OU is chasing, seemingly in good place for. His sister plays soccer at OU right now, uh, Bailey Wesco. So, again, not to suggest that she's going to leave OU and that's going to be enough to make Bryant not want to go to OU. I'm not saying anything, but there are some ties there uh, to some OU football things that I don't know if there will be ripple effects. I'd assume not, but 
You never know. You never think that a soccer coach being fired and then a new one hired could affect your football program like that, but it could. It could. She's an elite recruit, too. An elite recruit. Not just Peyton Bowen's girlfriend. Yeah, right. She she is top level. Like, that was a huge recruiting win for Mark Carr. Very interesting. So we'll see uh, how those shakes out. Maybe they can pull her back. You know, who knows? Maybe she likes a new hire and they can they can pull her back. Um, all right, I think that's it uh, for the show here. Like I said at the very beginning, this was my final show uh, with the All Sooners podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen, I announced it on Monday. Moving on to something new starting next week. Um, really, really bittersweet, like the definition of bittersweet, because I'm excited about it and I'm looking forward to it, but it is hard to leave these guys Um I've loved working with both of them, Hoove and Ryan. They both become great friends of mine the last couple of years. We've had lots of great memories. Hoove sliding down the hill in Manhattan. <laughs> Ryan eating the disease sandwich. I mean, it's uh, we've had lots of great times. We have, um, and so it's hard to move on to something else. But looking forward to it, but hard at the same time. It's why it's you know bittersweet. So, guys, it's been it's been awesome. Um, Wish you guys nothing but the best. Know you'll get somebody fine in here, and this thing will keep rolling um, just the same. But I'll miss you guys both. We've also had lots of challenging uh, episodes, Josh, 3 a.m. and uh, press boxes and getting locked in stadiums on the regular. Uh, I don't think you're going to have that low. No matter where you go in your career, no matter what you achieve, I don't think you're going to have that level of uh, (laughs) trauma in your life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you've had for the past two years. <laughs> I think it's probably a safe bet. Yeah, safe bet there. I'm missing my road crew, man. Like, any time that we couldn't link up and all three of us had together, Josh and I were always rolling uh, Nebraska, a bunch of times to Lawrence, Manhattan, stuff like that. So it's been, it's been a, a tough week, but excited for you, Josh. And uh, don't don't be a stranger. Absolutely. Just to let the listener, the viewer, the readers know, uh, I interviewed three superstars yesterday. So we are underway in replacing the irreplaceable Josh Calloway. We're, we're doing our best. Uh, you're going to love whoever we bring in. Uh, you, I swear you guys are going to love him because there's so much talent out there. But, yeah, Josh, man, we can't s- express it enough. Uh, the contributions you've made um to to all sooners you you were our you're a third guy right you were our third Mm. member that we've hired full-time and you just represent a real kind of uh cross-section look at all sooners in terms of the growth that we've had the the mission that we've had the directive the direction that we've had the past couple of years we've been able to hire a video guy who can come in and is talented and as polished as Josh is. It's been a real pleasure, man. So uh, we'll see you around the beat. You're not going anywhere, yeah. I know, but we'll see you around. We'll still hang out. We'll still make memories. But, uh, yeah, you're going to be missed. Yeah, very glad I still get to, you know, be around covering the team. So I'll still see you guys uh, around in one of whose many excursions to Norman. And obviously, Ryan and I, our paths will cross constantly as well. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad about that because, uh, yeah, I've, I've loved working with both you guys. And uh, I'm pumped to see who you guys bring in and and uh, keep this thing rolling into next season and, and all that good stuff. And I said it, you know, who whenever we talked on the phone, but coming here was uh, a life changer for me. It really was, um, you know, previous job, kind of scraping by, not making a lot of money, things like that. And who came by with a legit full time job offer to come work here. And it's been it's been great. So 
Um, hard to leave, hard to leave, but excited you, about you what's moved next. into a house and you got married after joining yeah. Sooners. So yeah, yeah, he's not lying. He's not lying. Life changing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I was in an apartment when I got hired. I was in an apartment by myself, eating like pizza rolls for dinner. <laughs> and now I have a house with a dog and a wife who cooks for me regularly. So <laughs> we've come a long way. We've come a long way. So, but I think that's it. So I'm going to read this thing for the final time. I have it in my. It's burning my brain. I'm, I'm certain I could do it without reading it, but I will read it again anyway. These guys will be back next week, uh, next Wednesday. With, special uh, show next week, by the way. Special show. Special show. The bros uh, from Trade Pros are going to join us. There you go. We've had them on before. So uh, good to see that. Um, obviously, they these guys, like like who said, they'll bring in somebody new here soon. Maybe see a little more Ross Lovelace here in the near future. I don't know. But uh, these guys will be back next week, wrapping up all the latest in the transfer portal, all the stuff with, of course, softball, baseball, everything. You know the drill by now. We cover it all on All Sooners. You can catch that show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. If you have an Amazon able device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. We'll post on our website, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. You can watch all the shows on Hoover's YouTube page as well. John Hoover Media. That's it. Brian Chapman and John Hoover. I'm Josh Calloway. These guys. We'll see you next time.